G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League with the AFL Fantasy Podcast that uh, doesn't talk about your superstars but digs deep into your draft pool to find you some uh, some gems that are going to help you win your league. I'm joined with, uh, by my co-host Kays. How you going mate? Very well Hef. It's the, the people's pod tonight so thanks to all our listeners and our Twitter followers and probably most importantly our new mate Aftershocks for uh, getting us into gear one more time in 2018 and this pod is all about the position changes and is all thanks to you. Yeah, we probably wouldn't be doing this one if it weren't for the uh, the retweets and the amount of people that wanted us to do another one. So, uh, cheers for that. Yeah, very overwhelming. But uh, yeah, we've had a good look at all the position changes that are coming out. Uh, obviously, there's some ones that are big name ones like your danger fields, etc. We don't care about them. No. Nah. No, nah, they're going to be drafted anyway. They won't even be in the pools by most of the time. Yep. Uh, you come around to drafting in your keeper league. So, we're going to focus on those, uh, those lesser knowns that might not get any press. So... Yeah, it's going to be an interesting pod and we've got heaps and heaps of questions to get through at the end of the pod too. So, appreciate all the feedback on Twitter. It's been awesome. All right. Before we get into uh, talking about some actual football, um, we're going to do our league spotlight. So, last week we put the uh, call out to um, our listeners to see if anyone wanted to talk about their league on our show. Uh, we had a, a pretty decent response to that uh, that call out and now we've got Todd from Western Australia who's on to talk about his Keeper League. All right, I'm joined by Todd from Western Australia, who's the reigning three-time winner of his Keeper League. How you going, mate? Yeah, fantastic, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, cool. So, why don't you start with telling us the name of your uh, Keeper League? So, I'll look after a couple. <clears throat> the main one is uh, the Super Best Friends, which has been going for uh, five years now, entering our six. All right. And so, what format do you play that on, on Ultimate Footy or... Yeah, we play uh, ultimate footy, have have it since the start, uh, using the uh, green team scoring, so it's nice and simple for everyone. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so how's it structured? So how many teams, how big are the squads, how do you keep, all that sort of stuff? Uh, we've, we've changed up a little bit over the years, but we uh, well, currently we're running uh, pretty decent-sized squads of 30. Uh, we keep 15, uh, and we run six defenders, six forwards, eight mids, uh, until last season, we actually went a little bit nuts and ran two rucks as well, but we've switched that up last year to uh, one ruck and a, and a utility of the spare there. Yeah, two rucks sounds a bit tricky. Yeah, we realised that uh, season in with such a, a big league because we've got 14 teams that uh, yeah, two rucks was a little bit silly, so we actually manually added a few uh, a few in ourselves, the Josh Jenkins, etc. of the world. And uh, and now we've just dropped back to one, which seems a little bit more manageable because it was it was deciding some games uh, with, with the ruck donuts floating around. Yeah, good thinking. Um, all right, so you guys got a Premiership Cup trophy. Is there any funny story behind it? Uh, yeah, the, we've got a shield with uh, you know little little engraved plaques on it, um, and it's called the Shield of Polak, and it's actually got a a picture of Graham Polak playing an acoustic guitar right in the centre of it. Um, not really sure why we decided on it. Um, I don't know if you re- remember Polak. He played for, for Freo and for Richmond and, um, was, you know, it's not all, all that amusing that he was hit by a train, but a lot of us happened to be in St Kilda, uh, on a bit of a, a trip the night that happened. So we'd always remembered, uh, Graham Polak and the fact that he was better known for getting hit by a tram than playing football. So we chucked him on our shield and he's still there today. Ah, oh, well, good on him. At least he's known for something important. <laughs> Not wrong. All right. So, um, any other quirks? Any uh, funny punishments for your uh, wooden spooners? Or uh, we don't do too many punishments, just so that it's not it's not too awful to finish last. In the sense that 
you know, some guys uh, are then encouraged to maybe trade a little bit more if they're near the bottom. But if you do come last, you are, you win the tampon, which is, which is a hat that's made by the previous year's loser. Um, so last year it was actually probably our best one yet. And it was uh, a giant tampon that was uh, maybe a meter or so long. Uh, and the, uh, the biggest uh, slider for the, the year actually wins some laminated photographs of Jerry O'Connell when he starred in sliders. So they win the, the Jerry. And uh, the most improved wins a, a framed picture of former WWF wrestler Hacksaw Jim Duggan for, for doing their best and climbing up the ladder. Oh, some great ideas there. I love it. Love it. All right. Um, your draft order, how do you decide it? <clears throat> oh, we normally just do... Uh, do a bit of a lottery, a weighted lottery based on whoever comes comes last all the way out of the uh, the winner only gets, I guess, one ball in the lottery. So we've forever been looking for, I guess, a, a better way to decide it. But with a, a league of 14 blokes, quite often it's uh, not that easy to get us all in the same room to maybe do a, do a horse race or a, or, or a decathlon or, or whatever <laughs> else is uh, is going. But yeah, we, we're still on the lookout for, a, I guess, a more comical way to find our draft order. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm sure you'll get uh, plenty of ideas from our listeners over these segments um, throughout the year. So hopefully they can help you out with some good ideas. Yeah, that's the hope. With the, uh, it's just the, the poor guys that always finish down the bottom and quite often they're, they're similar or always, uh, I guess, looking for a bit of a leg up. And at the moment, the, the weighted lottery is the only way they seem to get a look in at, a, at trying to improve their sides. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. All right, uh, any other quirks or funny stories or anything you do in your league that you want to talk about before we uh, sign off? Oh, the, the awards are, are the, probably the main ones. Um, we make a bit of an event on a, on draft day and uh, one of the guys is pretty tech savvy, so we actually do a bit of a, a year that was video uh, with a bit of a soundtrack to it and a, and a voiceover, um, bit of a bit of a Brownlow Metal Night type package. Uh, yeah, this year we're kind of doing getting some extra novelty things together. Uh, had a T-shirt made for the winner of the tampon with his with his own face <laughs> on it that he's uh, not aware that he's going to get yet and he'll have to wear that along with the stupid hat for the, the whole day and a, and a nice big uh, welcome board that we got made up online like you'd see at a, a conference or something just for when everyone enters the, the draft room on the day. Yeah, nice. All right, mate. Uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for letting me give you a call and uh, talk about your Keeper League and, uh, yeah, take it easy. No worries. Thanks for having us, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks to Todd for that. That was uh, some good stuff and really excited to hear what uh, the other leagues out in uh, in Australia have. It's going to be awesome. But uh, yeah, what do you think of that, Hef? Yeah, no, it was good fun having a chat to him. So yeah, if um, anyone else wants to get in touch and talk about that league, um, get in touch with us via our socials um, at Keeper League Pod on basically everything. And uh, yeah, let's, let's hear about your league. Yeah. Uh, moving into some injury news before we start our position changes stuff. Uh, obviously, the biggest injury news coming out of this week is the injury to poor Sam Doherty. How devastating. I know. As a bloke who's done one ACL, I couldn't think of anything worse than doing another one. I'd be absolutely shuddered. So, we just have a look at who's going to replace his uh, spot in the Colton side. There's yeah. a, probably a few people who are knocking down that door, whether it's for a halfback, 
halfback spot or for a midfield spot. Yeah, so who does replace him in defence? Is um, your man Hugh Goddard now going to be relevant, mate? Mate, he might be. <laughs> All right, but no, in serious, um, I guess um, a few names have been thrown around. So some people have been suggesting um, Sam Petrovsky-Seaton is um, going to be replacing him on a halfback. He's currently named as a forward, but I think the obvious one that everyone's talking about um, is probably going to be Nick Newman. Yeah, Newman would be the one that you, you'd think. He obviously got drafted in, played heaps of halfback uh, for Sydney. Um, you know, he could probably slot into the midfield too. Like he, he's a he's a pretty handy player. But then there's so many other so many other people that Carlton can play. You know, your Walsh, Dow, Kennedy, Setterfield. A few of those guys we're going to talk about a bit more later on. But well, yeah, my thinking was that um, that uh, sorry that uh, Sam Doherty was actually going to. There was talk of him playing some a lot more midfield time yeah. uh, this year, so not as much of a defender. So I wasn't sure if um, Nick Newman was actually brought in to kind of already replace uh, Doherty on the halfback or well, for that time he does go in the midfield. So yeah. if that is the case, and we, we won't really know if it is until we start seeing Carlton play a bit of football this year, um, does that actually leave the door open for yeah someone like Walsh, Dow, Kennedy or um, Setterfield to be consistent and reliable scorers? You'd think so. You yeah. think that someone's going to take that bump there because, you know, that um, they were expecting Doherty to come back. What uh, Newman was going to come into that side too. It probably almost, you know, not just one spot that's opened up. It's two mm. you know, really good halfback midfield spots. So I think the next- Spots few- with good scoring potential. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and it's going to be very interesting uh, in the JLT to see who kind of steps up and takes that responsibility. So if you've got any of those players or- um, you know they're on your radar. I would Colton are going to be one to watch because there's going to be mm. uh, there's going to be positions up for grabs that do score. Yeah, who would have thought Colton would be so relevant? So yeah. <laughs> no one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. New season, new year, new Carlton. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. They've been so shit for so long. So we're all hoping for it. <laughs> bounce back. It'll be good for the comp. Right. Essendon need a, another good rival. <laughs> exactly. Uh, rightio. So we're going to talk about position changes, which is basically why we're here. Um, so I might kick it off. Um, We've got a bit of an inside scoop on a few of these players, which has been fantastic. But some of the players that have got forward status, we're going to talk about first. Uh, the first player I'm going to talk about is, surprise, surprise, someone who's on my list, Bailey Banfield. Now, um, I kind of feel what I... I've, I've got a good idea of what I'm expecting from Bailey Banfield this year. And for me, he is a really good... You know, he's been a good, consistent player. He was playing a lot of games uh, for Freo last year. He averaged 64 and it was actually was quite a good bench bench option for me there. So for me, he's submitted a spot in the Frio team. And with that DPP, he actually offers a lot of flexibility and someone that I'm going to look forward to potentially not keep, but he's on my redraft uh, radar for sure. Hef? Yeah, um, I guess as a forward, um, he definitely, yeah, he's definitely going to be potentially a good scorer, especially if he does continue to play a little bit of midfield um, too. I think that's what we all like in our, in our forwards to actually run through the middle. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure where he's going to get extra points from, from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you want to discuss that in more detail? Or Yeah, look, I think he's obviously, he's obviously tagging this year and, yep. and that's good, but it's also bad. It means he's in the midfield, which means he's taking centre bounces and there's more uh, opportunity for touches, but it also means that he's got that one focus, which is, you know, running with and trying to negate another player. So... You're right. I'm not sure where that bump's going to come mm. from, but I just think he, it just makes him a more flexible option, you know, with that DPP. Yeah. Um, it's always, you know, when, you, when you're going down low in a draft, it's always more, for me, it's more, um, I look for those DPPs more than just that standard mid or standard forward because it means you can, you know, put them anywhere where you might be short on a bench or short for your last spot um, at some stage throughout the year. So, um, potentially not a keeper for me, but he's one that I'm looking at. Hef, who's your uh, first player? 
All right, the player I'm going to be talking about who has also gained forward status for next season is uh, David Armitage. So I had completely written this guy off um, at the halfway point of last season when he was dropped to the uh, the twos on consecutive occasions. He almost made my never again list, case, and I think he's actually been on your never again list uh, in the past. Correct. He was a former chop, now a half hoofer. Premiership so player with the hoofers. Let's just, just makes uh, me <laughs> sick. Every time you say that, mate, sick. All right. Um, but yeah, then I did see an article late in the season with him basically saying, and I'm pretty sure most guys who get dropped to the two say this, but uh, saying his body was um, was shot last season battling uh, hamstring tendonitis, and he said there was no real cure just apart from uh, a bit of rest. So I'm thinking with an off-season um, under his belt, I guess, to rest up, um, and another full season, uh, full pre-season, sorry, um, and now with the forward DPP, um, how relevant is he going to be in keeper leagues? Well, I'd be surprised if anyone's actually keeping him, but... Oh, I'm going to keep him. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. How the mighty have fallen. Look, he does have some good stats. I, I was lucky enough to have him in my team in 2015 where he actually averaged 107 points and played 21 games. The year after, he kind of shot me in the foot and he went down to 85.8 average uh, in 2016. Still played a lot of games, but he was struggling towards the end of that season. Uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm choosing youth over experience, but... Armitage, he's probably in their best 22 still, which is, you know, I don't know if, if that's a good thing. But if that, if the reason why him being dropped to the twos actually was injury related, then mm-hmm. yes, maybe. He's yeah. still in their best 22. If he, yeah, if he's firing fit, he's a handy player. Yeah. As a mid, no. Now he's got DPP. Armitage is, yeah. He well, goes my, onto your radar for sure. My thinking though is if he does actually play as a forward, mm-hmm. he's useless. Yeah. Um, but in this same article, he was basically saying that he sees himself still playing in the midfield or on the halfback, which was kind of weird because he was already playing in the forward line when this article actually came out. So he actually doesn't see himself as a forward. I think he thinks he was playing there because of his injury right. and he's going to come out of the forward line and back into the midfield or into more of a running spot. Um, so I'd say I'd take this approach. If, if you're not contending for the flag, I wouldn't go near him. But if you are contending... Um, he could be a handy pickup for you. He's one of those experienced guys with DPP um, or, you know, with a with a not mid status, even like your Daisy Thomas's, et cetera, he's got back this year. He's the guys that can really add depth to your, your team. And actually, you know, from all of our league's experience, they're proven point getters when it comes to the pointy end of the season and can really help you you push your team along and actually be a contender as opposed to just a, a nothing team. Generally, the guys winning the flag in your leagues aren't the guys with the most youthful, youthful teams. They're the guys with the old blokes. Correct. So, yeah. There's something in that. <laughs> um, so, the next bloke who has added forward status and is a DPP is bloody Harry Morrison. <laughs> so, after I pumped him up in the last episode of being a good, you know, DPP with back status, they've gone and given him centre forward. So... Bloody hell, I don't know. He's he's borderline keeper for me now, I think. I've got I've got a very strong forward line, so that that's hard to say, but uh, and I think we, that the pool always runs shallower in uh, in the in the backs than yeah, it does definitely. the forwards. I always feel there's a lot better forwards to get late as there is backs, but yeah. I think Harry Morrison can play and he's still on my he's on my gee, he's he's on the fence here for me. But look, we've talked about him the other week, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but for me, if he was a back, I'd be keeping him. Yep. For me, He's got forward status and with my strength in my team or just in general, I don't think he's a, he's a dead set keeper because of that anymore. But last week we were talking about him and you were considering keeping him as a, as a defender mm-hmm. and you'd do that thinking he's going to score half decent, right? Yep. So what would have you expected from him next season, do you think? Mm. Now, the be- best case scenario? Probably maybe an 80 average. So why not as a forward? Look, he's probably going to be a keeper because of that, you know, because of that. You know, I, still th- I see there's growth in him, yes. Yep. 
he's just going to end up being a bench player for me or potentially a utility with his forward, centre forward status. This is for you, this but what about for, for our listeners out there? Jeez, you really asked me a tough question here. <laughs> Look, I think he is one that you can consider keeping if you, like me, like his upward trend that he was showing to end of last season in his consistency. Um, I think he's actually still going to play a lot of wing halfback anyway. So whether where he's named is potentially not important. It's as long as he's actually getting that position on a Saturday for Hawthorne, that's going to be the important thing. So he's still on my watch list. I think he's... DPP can be very handy for some people mm. if it's centre forward or centre back. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So keep an eye on him, but... Uh, potentially he probably drops down my audit regardless of what happens just purely because I rank defenders higher than I do forwards. Yeah, that's that's enough, what yeah, it comes down same. to. Yep. So, um, Hef, who's your next one? All right. Um, I'm going to be looking at James Warple, the Warpedo. Now, Warpedo. <laughs> now, just a little funny story today, uh, Kays. I typed uh, James Warple into Google just to look up some stats. And the uh, the next word that followed in the suggested uh, searches was James Warple hair. So, he does have a nice head of hair of him. Um, he does. Kays, what do you think? as good as Jack Bowe's hair. Okay, um, yes. I knew that was going to be the answer. Well, it but- is. <laughs> like, anyone can look like a bit of a, you know, hobo like Warpedo. But, you know, Jack Bowe's has star with his, with his do, mate. Come on. All right, all right. Well, uh, let's get serious now. Let's talk about some football. All right, James Warple is now listed as a forward, um, which I I think is pretty handy. Uh, He finished last year strongly with scores of 88, 59, 76, 105, 94, and 74, uh, 75. Um, So an average there in those last uh, few games, that's an 82 average. Um, And he had 82, uh, sorry, and he had 68 average in total for the season. Um, He's a second-year player, so not our magical third year yet, but uh, stranger things have happened because if we look at Tim Taranto last season, he had a huge season averaging 91. Um, and Tim Taranto was also a forward last year, so I'm drawing some parallels here, Case. Um, <laughs> some big parallels. Tim Taranto is a bloody gun. <laughs> I am uh, probably a bit more wishful thinking, but uh, yeah. Warple, though, we if, you, um, if you're a Patreon subscriber and you listen to our um, rookie podcast, um, I really value players that were good underage scores. And I picked up Warple last year because he was a good underage scorer. So I think he's one you should uh, jump on if he's available in your draft. What do you think, Case? Big time. Um, as a centre forward for me, if we were doing a redraft leave, the Warpedo the Warpedo is 100% in my plans. Um, yeah, going back to that prospectus, he scored uh, 92 in uh, the under-18 championships and averaged uh, 93 in TAC Cup. So the guy can score considering he's a, um, a pick 45, as mm. you were saying in that that Patreon pod, that end of the day, it doesn't actually matter where they get drafted. Nah. If they can find the pill, they're going to find the pill, whether it's in you know under-18s or AFL. I always look at scoring potential and this guy does have fantasy, fantasy scoring potential. Yeah. For me, he's an absolute lay-down Mazzea. If I didn't have a team, he'd be going nowhere. He's, he's a keeper for life for me, <laughs> especially with, with the DPP. And yeah, if um, if he's available, the Warpedo needs to be on your target list for sure. All right, Kays, who's your next player? Well, we're going to move into one of these uh, Carlton players who should potentially get a bit of a scoring bump with uh, Doherty missing out this season. It's uh, Paddy Dow. So he's uh, been given uh, forward status with DPP, centre, mid, um, with forward there. The big one with this is he only averaged 55 in his first season. And to me, as I said, I think in the last part, he looked a bit small out there. But I think an extra preseason under his belt, I'm actually backing him in to improve. So some good things. He played 20 games, which is a great achievement for anyone in their first year. Even if you're at Carlton or not, you've still got to, you still, your body's still got to be right. Uh, they've still got to rate you. So he played 20 games there. He also had three scores of 70 plus, which is, yeah, okay. 96 PB against Geelong, so he matches it with the best, which I really like. 
But what I actually really liked when I looked at Paddy Dow's stats more often was that he only played 73% of game time throughout the season. So obviously it meant his body wasn't quite right or wasn't big enough and he just wasn't ready for, you know, that full game style AFL. But I reckon another preseason under his belt, he is one that I've got my eye on, especially as a DPP. Well, yeah, um, I'm going to state the obvious here and say, all right, we've got Walsh coming in, we've got Stocker coming in, we've got Setterfield coming in. Um, we actually said in our last pod that we thought Walsh was ahead of him. Yep. Um, we thought Stocker was up there and probably Setterfield was probably ahead of him as well. Mm-hmm. Now, are we, going to, are we still thinking that he could break out next season or do we think he's going to be hampered by these people coming in? I think he's ahead of them. Uh, not ahead of them. I think he's... He's definitely up there with them. I think it's going to be a real line ball as to who they end up picking out of those, you know, four or five mentioned. Mm. Um, as I said, he played 20 games last year. So I think that's going to put him in, you know, really good stead throughout the years. But he's going to be more mature. Mm. Um, I think Walsh is obviously going to play around one. There's no doubt about that. Stocker yep. potentially not. Setterfield has, you know, had injury problems in the past. So yep. if you're going to talk about blokes who are consistently playing, Paddy Dow's number one in that aspect because he's got 20 games under his belt. He's got that you know, ability to actually you know get a decent score of 96 in his first year, which is fantastic. I just think that for me as a scorer with uh, having DPP, he's going to be one that I'm looking for, potentially over a, uh, a stocker instead because he's just uh, listed as a center. So from a purely fantasy point of view, Dow has risen up in my books, whereas if he was just going to be a center, he probably would have you know been around that mark. From this point of view, I think he's he's better pick up. Yeah, and like I don't actually doubt that Paddy Dow could be a good scorer at some stage. I just don't know if it's going to be next year. But as with, as like you know, we're talking about keeper leagues here, so yep. even if not, um, he could be could be potentially a good scorer in the future. He's probably one I'd, if I if he was available in our draft, I'd look to get him late, yeah. and hopefully that he potentially gets you know on the upward trend as they tend to do in the end of their second year up into their third year. He'd be that one that. I think he's, he can actually score well this year, but he'd be one that's going to really develop in his third year, I think. All right, cool. Um, my next uh, mid, uh, sorry, forward selection, um, this guy got uh, forward status halfway through the year, but it wasn't taken into account when we were drafting last year. Um, so I think it's worthy of mentioning these guys, um, even though it hasn't kind of changed since mid-year um, last year. But anyway, the next guy I'm talking about is uh, Adam Chera. So um, he was another one who was a good uh, fantasy scorer at underage level who are always my favourites. Um, and, yeah, he picked up the forward status mid-year. Um, so that's always good to see. Um, he turned up once last year, so he had one score – and then he had one score in the 90s and a couple in the 80s. Um, so, you know, he's proved he can actually put some runs on the board. Um, he did play predominantly or a lot as a forward last season. Um, but this year with Lockie Neal leaving, um, will there be more midfield time for him? I think that's the big question. It is. I think Andrew Brayshaw is the number one to step into that spot. But but Andrew Brayshaw played last year as well. It's so. true. Uh, he, well, then he probably gets more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, Adam Chera then probably takes, you know, he's got ability to take that bit more of a role too. Mm. So, yeah, you are right. Uh, Chera scored 82, average, sorry, averaged 82 in the under-18 champs, but averaged 115 in the TAC Cup. So, yep. um, and he looked, some, he looked really good, didn't he, in those games where he dominated. Like, he actually dominated yeah. patches of those games last year when, there was, when he scored. There well. was times you're watching him and you think this guy's been playing for years. Yep. Like, yeah, he's yep. actually a real class um, yeah, operator when it comes to um, playing some football. So, um, yeah, I've just got him on my list. I think he's going to be, with, with that forward, um, forwards DPP status, I don't think it's going to last very long but he's got some potential to actually break out um yeah like with like we just mentioned with Lockie Neal going I don't know if he's going to you know jump into a bit of superstar status or take exactly those minutes but I reckon he will get more opportunity um and more opportunity from a fantasy scoring um point of view yeah a lock and load for me again 
Mm. Uh, my last one who has been gifted forward status, which has actually baffled me, Josh Smith. Okay. So, we had him penciled down as a good defensive option if he was, you know, potentially going the Gold Coast. Didn't go the Gold Coast. Ended up at West Coast. Potentially still sneaks in there. And I would have thought he could be a good back, back option, but he's been given forward status. Well, I didn't follow the VFL very closely last season, but he's obviously played forward for the whole year. Champion data, keep track of all that. So, um, yeah, Collingwood might have been trying something with him. I don't know. Um, that said, just because he's named as a forward doesn't mean he's going to play forward this year, if he gets a game for West Coast, that is. Correct. Um, so, he's not something I would rule out just because he's a forward, um, but it's more about his scoring potential, I guess. Yeah, and I think there it is there. He only played one game last year, but uh, the two seasons before that, he averaged 76 and 82, which is pretty good going. Um in yeah, he averaged four. T- he had sorry, he had four tons in 2017, which proves he can score. I think there was one of those years. I think the year he averaged eight as well. We had a few injury affected scores as well, so it yep. actually could have been higher those scoring because I'm a previous owner of Josh Smith yep. and I got a lot of time for this guy. Um, and you know he doesn't. He's not in the best 22 at Collingwood for obvious reasons. He's not the best user of the ball, but he um, definitely is a good fantasy scorer. He's definitely an accumulator of the pill across the half back line. So if he does get named um, for West Coast and does get a few games, more than likely he will play across halfback and we can hopefully see that DPP so back forward at some stage during next season yeah big time for me he's quite a risky pickup because his um his actual spot in the team's not set and mm. as, a, as a pure forward you know something I potentially want to stay away from him a bit but if I'm coming down to my last few picks and he's still available I'm picking him up because I know what I'm going to get from him I know that he can score um you're not going to rely on it every week but if he won that if he was actually playing I'd be looking to bring into my team you know, just to pinch it for one week and just see what he can do because he, because when he gets on a roll, he can actually score really big. So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting one, that's for sure. All right, just a quick one before we move on to the defenders. I'm just brought up. I just want to bring up Will Setterfield. We talked about Will Setterfield in uh, pretty, um, you know, uh, in a lot of detail last week um, in the pod. So I don't want to go too much um, into him, but he's been named as a forward um, as well. So he should see a lot of midfield time. Um, next season, um, Carlton, you know, have drafted. I've taken him specifically as a uh, as a midfielder. Um, so I think he's someone we should be probably looking at. If well, now he's got that DPP status as a forward, he could potentially be a good scorer up forward. Yeah, he's definitely on my radar as well. We've actually basically put ten or so people in Carlton's midfield tonight. <laughs> we have. It probably. runs that deep. Oh, yeah. But yeah. there's plenty of opportunity, and there's going to be they're going to improve naturally. I think their squad's getting a lot better, so they are going to start to see some increases in their scores. Setterfield's just another one that you can add to the list, and I'd be and I'd be happy to have him in my team for sure. All right, now we're going to move on to uh, the players that have defender status. Um, yeah, changed to defender status uh, this season. So um, another one that had uh, their position changed mid-year, but again, might not have been factored into last year's draft. So we're going to talk about him anyway. And he's probably one of the most topical players um, in the comp at the moment since Sam Doherty's gone down. And I'm talking, of course, about Nick Newman. Um, all right, so... Doherty going down has boosted his fantasy stock substantially. He averaged 76 last season, but he wasn't in the best 22 until late in the season. He played the last seven games at an average of 86 in those last seven games. So that's when he got consistent opportunity. He was a consistent scorer. He also averaged 86 in 2017. We believe he'll straight, uh, step straight into Carlton's best 22, and he would be a huge get in draft um, uh, to someone if you could go after him early in your draft. Yep. Well, I drafted Nick Newman back in 2017 and it was my best pickup for a very long time. As you said, he's averaged 86 there. Look, I'm quite a big fan of Nick Newman. I think he just finds the ball. His disposal is the thing that lets him down. But in Colton, I think they just need people who are going to actually go and get their own pill. And he's actually going to do that 
a beautiful beautiful job for him off halfback. For me, if I still had Nick Newman in my side, I'd be absolutely loving life right now. Uh, anyone that has him, I think he just all of, all of a sudden becomes a keeper, especially if you've got a few to play with. Yeah. Um, and if he's not, he's surely going early in, in a draft for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't think we need to say too much more because we've already mentioned him. This is twice we've mentioned him tonight. But um, yeah, I think if you've got him, yeah, that you'd be licking your chops right now because I think he's going to be a decent scorer in your keeper league this year. Yep. Now I'm going to counter that argument with okay. a guy that's oh, just been gifted yeah. defender status, my boy Daisy Thomas. You love now, this guy. I don't actually. He <laughs> just came into my side quite late last year. But I brought him in because he was going to—he was actually scoring well, as we talked about with someone like Armitage, that these old guys can actually still knock out some decent scores. So last year he was a centre forward. This year he's just been given pure back status. So he's actually all of a sudden come into calculations a keeper for me because mm. if he actually plays for Carlton majority of the games whether it depends wing or half back he's actually going to be someone that scores yeah no I agree because a lot of people like a lot of time when we're thinking about um, fantasy scoring we always think get bogged down in the average but mm. when it comes to finals it doesn't really matter like you just want guys who have the potential to actually pump out a big score and you can just get lucky so I guess you just have to kind of be consistent over the season but when you come down to finals if you've got a guy that has the potential to get you a big score or even just something to give you an 80 or 90 to get you through it's definitely someone you want to be looking at especially if they're a more senior experienced player they're probably more prone to actually do something decent for you on the weekend that you need them to yeah 100% and look if you actually look at the statistics how it's, it's going to be listed this year Daisy's actually a top 15 defender oh wow based on last year's averages okay. so like he's not just someone who's you know 25 30 you know in the in the best defenders he's actually top 15 now the risks of Daisy number one Nick Newman coming in taking his spot or potentially his scoring possibility um, that um, Doherty was going to kind of give up them. So they're fighting for that halfback flank kind of wing spot. The other thing is that um, 2018, he actually averaged 10 to 15 points per game better than he did in his last two seasons okay. prior. So he had a massive jump last year. He probably got a bit more of a, an easier role, a bit more fantasy-friendly role. Yep. What that role looks like this year is going to be the risks. But, you know, he... he had four tons last year and played very well and was really one of their best players, you know, week in, week out he at stood Carlton. Up. He so, stood up for him, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's got to hold, you know, he's been doing those one-year contracts. They keep rewarding him with another deal. I obviously think that they, they have time for him. It's going to be a risky proposition whether I whether I keep him or whether anyone else keeps him or whether you even draft him at the same stage. It depends on you. On or it could be are. one of those times that you just you trade in later in the season. Yeah. You know when you're trying to have that crack at the flag. Yeah, because if he if he's playing, he's going to be scoring. You know from what we saw this year, he's going to be scoring pretty well. He's he's risky, but I'm willing to back him in. Okay, cool. All right, I'm moving on to uh, a bit more of an unconventional player, but I'm going to be talking about Majak Dor. So he moved to defence mid-season last year, and then they added the defender status to him. Then, uh, sorry, added the defender status for this year. Um, he this guy takes a lot of intercept marks. I think at one stage last season he was only second to only Jeremy McGovern, um, and we know. You know, intercept marks are good for uh, for scoring. Um, basically, had an average of eighty when shifted to defence. So I'm counting scores from uh, defence, which was roughly uh, around around seven, around sixteen, around seventeen onwards. Um, so yeah, and when he started scoring well, I guess I'm I'm, I'm picking stats that I like. I guess, but uh, <laughs> make the truth sound how you want. <laughs> That's it, to. it, mate. We twist it to uh, how we want it. Correct. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say he's basically an 80 average defender when he shifted to defence. Um, so I think he should maintain that role as well, providing there's no ruck injuries and he doesn't have to go in there. So Case is unrealistic to see him averaging 75, perhaps even 80 as your you know defender, fifth defender, fourth defender. It makes me sick or 
to even say that I don't think that's unrealistic. I think yeah. I think he can do that. Yeah. Um, we, in the redraft leg, I'd say we had a, a North Melbourne tragic who it was always a joke that he would always draft Magic every yeah. year. Draft him, it was always crap. Kept drafting him, still crap. Last year, drafted him, he won the flag. Yeah, right. Magic <laughs> won in the first ever flag, his first ever flag in Premier our comp, so player. Maybe there's something in that. But yeah. uh, look, uh, I, if he keeps playing that role, the intercept defender is a great role yeah, fantasy-wise. And look, he's just so big and strong and yep. bigger than, you know, a lot of other people around. Yeah. And when he gets near the ball, he can really clunk it. Um, his foot skills are pretty good too. So yeah. he kicks a bit, he kicks a bit, he marks. And I think There's with his fitness like. as well, like he, he could potentially win a lot more ball as well. He's going to be first to the ball. He's definitely going to be, you know, generally going to be faster than his opponent. So, you know, we could see him pick up a few more loose touches across half back. I don't think it's super unrealistic to see that as well. No, he's an interesting one, but definitely one that that's, uh, should be looking at him. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Late, yeah. late, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly. Um, Second guy who has uh, back status this year, who's been um, gone up from uh, centre forward like Daisy did, is Wayne Millerer. Um, we discussed him a fair bit in the pilot um, with all signs pointing to a great season. Look, he's just become a, a real lock in a lot of teams with defender status for me, I think. Hef, you, you agree there? Yeah, no, I, I, watching him last season, he really like took, took his game to that next level. Yep. And I don't think it's you know, unrealistic to think he might take it to another level. Um, yeah, and then again, we talked about this last last week with Brody Smith coming back. It's not affecting his scoring. Hasn't shown that it will. Um, so I reckon Miller is, yeah, definitely one we should be looking at. Yep, lock and load. Yep. Hef, your last one. My last one. All right. I only I wrote this guy's name down purely because he was moved to a defender. And I just want to preface this before I begin. I do not condone picking this guy up. But I'm going to be talking. I just talking. saw this for the first time and I'm not even <laughs> sure. Is this serious? <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Jack Trengave. So he played three games last year. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we doing SANFL draft <laughs> team or what, what's going on? <laughs> no, no, we're talking about uh, we're talking about AFL here. All right, um, persuade me, Hef. I, I just said I do not condone picking this guy up. I'm talking to those people who see Jack Trengove, defender, and has an average of 73 with a 92 and an 83 next to his name in some of those scores um, to not pick this guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so he might look good on paper if you didn't watch a lot of Port Adelaide last year. I guess he only played three games, but he's not in their best 22. And while, you know, you see his average, and you know he's a first round draft pick he's shifted to defence um, he might look enticing as a D4 or a defender 5 steer well clear of this guy because this guy won't play a lot of football and when he does um, well if he does it's um, going to be very upsetting for Port fans because we're not going to be doing too well <laughs> is that harsh? I don't know no it's not harsh <laughs> yeah. it's, it's probably pretty honest yeah. um, I didn't expect that where that was going to go but uh, yeah, it's, no, no. <laughs> it's good but yeah look Definitely avoid. You can get sucked into those players yeah, too. It's, so it's too. a good lesson to, um, you know, new players to keeper legs and, and draft legs and stuff is that, look, just because someone isn't a mid that has usually been a mid in the past doesn't mean that they're, you know, you should be selected based on, you know, what they used to be when they were a kid or where they were playing yep. in another club or what position they were drafted at. And, yep. You know, actually look at some stats, try and fit them into the, into the uh, the team's best yeah. 22 and go from there. Look, I'm probably stating the obvious to the season campaigners out there, the guys yeah. that, you know, take this pretty seriously. But if you're, if you're new to this and you kind of haven't been watching a team closely and you get fooled by the stats, just what I'm basically using this as an example is, um, yeah, just because this guy was a midfielder, now a defender, doesn't mean he's going to be a good fantasy prospect. So, yeah. Now, on to my last one, which actually is pretty similar to what you kind of talked about. Don't get too sucked into to people who have added defender status. Uh, Jordan Lewis is one uh, who used to be a chop. He's now a defender. Uh, he got that added in last year too in June. But look, he averaged 79 last year 
and potentially that's all right for a backman. But look, he was 20 points per game off his average in his last two years off that. He's on the decline very, very rapidly at Melbourne. You look at someone like Bernie Vince, who, you know, were playing similar roles. Um, he's probably going to take that kind of role. It just became a really unfantasy friendly role. He is one injury away from hanging up the boots. Yeah. And that could come at any time next season. So yep. another one, yeah, not to get sucked into, I think. Yeah. I love Jordan Lewis. I think he, oh, he's been one of my favourite oh, players. Superstar over his yeah, career. For sure. But um, look, he's slowing down. As you said, uh, injury can cruel his, his career in one go. But even just adding blokes like Stephen May mm. and uh, Cade Collajasny yep. to the team. It's going to damage his output. Yeah. And it really hurts his job security too. And, one of the things that I saw, he only actually scored two tons last year and he played 90% of game time. And that's quite a lot for, for guys who are on the ground a lot and not scoring very big. Yeah. So he's just become a bit of a risk for me. And, and one of those ones that, look, if you're going to take him late in the draft to stock up your, your squad potentially, but uh, he's a big slider for me this year. Yeah. Like sadly, it happens to or most players really. Like they come to the end of their career and their fantasy scoring drops off. And I guess that's just life. But um, yeah, don't be too tempted by Jordan Lewis in your drafts, I think. Now, we're going to go into the guys who have uh, only mid-status this year, so they've actually gone and lost uh, their DPP. Um, there's quite a few of these guys um, that we've seen so far, and you know some of these guys who are people who are on the borderline of being a keeper now aren't DPP. It makes a bloody tough, uh, tough choice coming to this time of year. Um, I actually ran a poll on my Twitter, um, and I basically was like, who is the hardest to keep with mid-only status? Um, Ed Langdon, 8%. Which is fair enough. He actually really started dominating footy last year. Yep. Tom Cutler at sixteen percent. Yeah. He he's a good player. He was actually averaging mid eighties, I think, which is not too bad for that you know last keeper spot. Yep. Mid only hurts him, especially coming off back status. Paul Seedsman twenty two percent. He's one that's going to hurt because he was a handy enough back, but geez, he's a bit of a nothing midfield. Yeah. Mid- midfielder for me, especially as a keeper. Yep. Fifty four percent the overall winner, Brett Delidio. Yeah. He becomes impossible to keep, doesn't he? Yeah, with Lids, he's yeah, not even a good scorer as a midfielder. And, you know, but the thing is, again, we've got to also think, I wouldn't factor this too much into drafting, but is there a chance of him regaining DPP? Yeah. Um, I think what this mainly does is slides them down your draft um, rankings, I think, a bit. Doesn't necessarily completely rule them out, though. No, it's like a Ryan Griffin last year, I think. He only yeah. had mid-status and actually was, you know, not too bad every now and then. It's just, they just slide down. And yeah. probably for me, Delidio turns from being a potential keeper because he can actually score when he plays back to the ball exactly Um, so my first guy that's lost mid status is uh, Big Bags Hugh McLuggage I'm pretty sad to see him lose his forward status but um, for every way he'd be a keeper in my team every day of the week Um, he went from a 61 average to a 78 average last season with 300s and um, yeah finished with an 84 average in the last five games for me third year breakout he had big underage numbers um, and he's one I'm taking every day Hef um, yeah, well, so I guess without DPP, he's probably not someone I'm going to be looking at uh, at too much. But um, that said, you know, another another early draft pick um, definitely has the potential to become that fantasy scorer. Um, yeah, not much else to say. But he's the one I'm taking a risk on in terms of oh, in, yeah. in your lower in your lower keepers. So yeah. maybe your last couple of keepers. Oh, yeah, if you're yeah. going human yeah. luggage versus Brett Delidio, yeah. I'm taking luggage every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, no, I get what you, I get what you mean by that. Yeah, definitely. So for one of the people who act, who have actually lost um, forward status. I think that he's one that you can make a really good case for keeping regardless as 
as a mid. Yep. So, because um, I think he's actually a really, really good player. So, um, if you like him, keep him for sure. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, I'm going to move on to another guy we talked about last week on our um, on our podcast. Uh, going to go back to Reese Conker. So, we talked about him. Kiss of death. Yeah. We've given a few players the kiss of death. That's it. We talk about it and they lose their uh, DPP status. But <laughs> anyway, he still could be relevant as the uh, media is suggesting that he'll play in defence. So, is he someone we look at? Knowing that he's now just a mid, I think it's pretty obvious as just a mid, he's someone we avoid, especially with his injury history, all that sort of stuff. But do we trust Ross Lyon telling us that he's going to be playing in defence um, or do we just kind of slide him down the order and it's someone we take a bit later on? I just don't think you can trust Ross Lyon at all. No, so, neither. Um, as we talked about last week, as a defender, he interested us. Yep. As a mid only, he's chopped down. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually averages, you know, 80 or something like that as he has in the past, but yeah. you just can't go into it, one, keeping him, not at all, and then one, redrafting him potentially, yeah. but it's, it's, it's such a risky prop- proposition. Yeah, I think a lot of these players we're going to talk about here, it's kind of, we're trying to make the case for why we should keep them, but it's yeah. going to be pretty hard each time, I think. Yeah. All right. My second one is another one that we kiss of death. Oh, no. The man no with case. the greatest hair in the AFL. Jack Bowes, <laughs> mid only. Why is what I wrote in my, in my notes? Because I'm that upset. Anyway, I'm keeping him regardless because I love him. Um, and as we've talked about before, he's just such a – he becomes riskier. So, But as we've to- talked about in the first show, back yourself in because if you believe that they're going to be one that can break out, go for it. Um, you know, 85, 82 and 116 in his last three games. Beast like under 18 starts. We've talked about all this stuff. Look, if I had 12 keepers – I potentially wouldn't keep him. We've got 16, so he come fits into that category where I can take a few punts. So if you're in a similar league where you 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 can give yourself a few players, a few specul- speculative players, the chance to to keep on your list because you believe they're going to to break out. He's someone for me that I'm doing it. I'm just you know it, it's it's risky, but you know it depends on where you rate these players yourselves. No, I don't mind that. I think Jack Bowes is like a genuine breakout contender. He's someone that's worth taking the punt on. I think so. Um, even though he's just a mid, I can't see him regaining a DPP status. No, but I definitely would take the uh, take the shot with him because um, I do think he's got the kind of game to be actually become a good fantasy scorer. McLuggage or Bowes? Who would you take? Bowes. Sorry, that makes me feel good. Thanks, Hef. <laughs> no problems, mate. All right, I'm going to talk about the seed. Poor old Paul, uh, Paul Seisman. Um, no longer a defender, and he, he actually scores better as a defender. Um, but the Crows did have a lot of midfield injuries last season. Mm-hmm. So if they stay fit and, you know, Brad Couch, Crouch actually returns, um, so he didn't play at all last season, mm-hmm. um, I reckon he's every chance of going back to defence, becoming that good scorer, um, and kind of, yeah, gaining that DPP status. It's tough. Uh, personally, I would never draft someone on the fact that they could get yeah, DPP. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, that's a bit of a rule for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You obviously feel the well, same. Well, I wouldn't say never draft, but not draft them early. Like Or, or be purely because of the fact yeah, that they could exactly. get it. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a real addition if they do, and you yeah. feel good when those uh, new positions get released, and you're like, yes, yeah. someone's got a back status, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But um, everyone has it a bit differently, but for those guys who haven't been playing for a long time, uh, one of my rules would be don't. Don't draft someone purely on the fact that they had something and they could get it back. A lot of the time, you know, champion data, it's, you know, they come up with some interesting spots as we've talked about before where people who you think are a defender but are actually a forward or a mid. So just keep keep alert with that stuff. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. So, yeah, definitely don't draft him on the, you know, on the fact that he could get a defender status, but I reckon it just slides him down the ranks a bit more because he's not a horrible scorer. No, someone he's a fine he, yeah, scorer, someone's but gonna be your bench or he just ends like up being that last midfield spot or, yeah. or a bench warmer for you. Yep. 
Now, another chop who's absolutely been crueled by the fantasy gods is Tom Cutler. Are we ever going to have a podcast where you don't talk about players from your own team, Cass? That could be an actual dare. So, (laughs) maybe we can do one next year where I just refuse to talk about a chop. But, um, look, he's uh, a good player. He lost his back status this year. He played 18 games with an 85 average, which was basically like a definite keeper. Uh, He scored five tons uh, and four nineties. So, he can really actually score. An average of 85, is that good enough to be a, a keeper mid, Hef? Yeah, look, depends how deep you're, um, how many teams are in your league, I guess. Um, I've definitely kept worse in the midfield um, previously. Um, so, again, it depends where your team's at. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd, I could see myself keeping someone who's 85 mid, especially if you if you think of someone like Dane Beams going. Um, mm-hmm. There's a spot. So you never know. Yeah. And he's 23. So he, you know, he's kind of at that point where he's ready to, he's ready to go if he's ready to go. Like he can, he can easily get up another five or 10 points potentially. Yeah. I suppose the only question I have is, is he, you know, best 22 at Brisbane half? Um, and if not, who's taking his spot? Uh, the, the bloke, the obvious bloke, I think, who would uh, take his spot is uh, my man, Eli Smith. Um, that who? said, <laughs> uh, one of the draftees we talked about on the uh, on the Patreon Rookie Podcast. But um, if I, I, I don't think... If, I don't think Tom Cutler's the type of bloke you drop from your, from your best 22. Worst case scenario, he probably goes back to defence. Yeah, which is a good thing for me. So, yeah. um, he's one that we'll be looking at, um, you know, throughout the year. But I think he's actually, he's a good player. Hef, your last one. All right, I'm going to talk about one more on Team Locays has jumped on his. And I actually talked about this guy last week. But it's a bit of a shock because he's lost his uh, lost his forward status. Actually, not really a shock. We kind of, I kind of expected it. But uh, um, the guy I'm talking about is Paul Ahern. He is no longer a forward. So, yeah, I don't think this should be too much of a shock he was drafted as a midfielder played a lot of midfield last year um so i think it makes sense he's uh, no longer a forward but he has been a good scorer at underage level and in the NEFL. and last uh, year when he got a when he got a shot he did show promise um in his first real season of afl i guess um yeah again we talked about his scoring in the last episode so i won't go into that um but i reckon he's every chance to take uh that next step there's talk of the um the new players coming in that could uh, i guess hinder him or cost him a spot in the team but an article came out this week saying he's embracing that. There's huge raps in this guy. Apparently, he's taking this uh, preseason uh, very seriously. He reckons he's ready to bust into that North Melbourne midfield. Um, so I'm still pretty confident he is relevant as a breakout contender. What do you think, Case? Well, there's nothing like a guy training the house down in December, is there? Yeah, no, that doesn't happen very often. AFL.com no. would be out of a job if they couldn't <laughs> write those articles. But look, he's a talent. There's no doubt about it. Um, for me, the risk of his injury uh, history potentially just puts him down the rung, you know, down a few rungs for me. Yep. Um, you know, for me, if it was if I was choosing between Bose and Ahern, Bose wins every day. Oh, like yeah. Limit luggage as well. I think I'd be choosing okay. luggage over yep. Ahern. Um, you probably followed him a lot closer, closer than I have. But um, look, he's got promise. Would I be keeping him? For me, he's a risky one, but he's one that I'm looking because of that breakout potential and, and because he's, you know, had some good numbers in the past. So, um, yeah, he's probably a smoky for me. Well, I'm lucky because he's on my rookie list, so I can elevate him on top. But, Free swing. Uh, there we go. All right, that wraps up our uh, the players we've chosen for our um, position changes. So the full list should be out in the uh, next week or so. So um, look out for those, and I'm sure you'll find many more players that will uh, be relevant to your uh, keeper league. Um, before we get into the listener questions, I want to take a moment just to thank our Patreon subscribers. So um, if you don't know about the, uh, the Patreon uh, group that we've got set up, um, basically, uh, patrons, so listeners, that's you guys, um, can choose whether you want to support our podcast and uh, make a contribution to us. So basically, the more 
patrons we have, the more time we can put into this podcast. So there's a select few listeners out there that have actually um, valued the work that we do and uh, they've contributed some money towards us to help us put more time into this. But as a reward, we've been giving back um, under 18 stats, uh, all the state league stats. We've done a mini episode for them and we've got a whole heap of other things in the works, including um, some rankings from Kays and ISO for new keeper leagues plus a pot on that. Um, we're going to be talking about our deep rankings. So we're not going to look at the guys in the probably the top one. 50 we're going to go deeper and start from there and rank players from that low um, get some tiers set up as well so they're the, they're the sort of things that are in the work for our patreon subscribers um, so yeah to those who have signed up we'd just like to thank you personally right now so a big thanks to our new patreon subscribers adam sutton ben downey dan sutton dave quinlan graham bennett james richardson mark botka mark cumboy matthew rendell Stuart Callery, Stuart Clancy, and Tom Pettigrew. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the support. Yeah, guys, like with your support, we can do so much more with this podcast. Many more exciting things on the horizon for you guys. Um, so, yeah, thanks once again for supporting the podcast. Legends. So, moving on to our listener questions, we've actually had quite a few over the last couple of weeks, which is absolutely awesome. And, uh, Hef, kick us off. What's our first question? All right. Our first question is from uh, Rory O'Brien, and he wants to know about Aaron Francis and whether he's a uh, third year breakout contender. Well, Rory, it's actually Aaron Francis's fourth year, so get that right. And I know you're a Don supporter, so come on, mate. Don't make us sound too dumb. But <laughs> look, he's uh, he's averaged 48, 46, and 65 um, in his ten in his three years and over 10 career games. Look, it was just great to see him play footy in the last five games of 2018, and that game against Port was an absolute joy to watch. Just was, while- it was awful for me. I think we'll stand next to each other watching it, but um, I must admit he was very impressive. Now, while his numbers haven't been strong, it's his game style that we really like here. Like, he's an intercept marker. He uh, took 6.5 marks a game last uh, last year and included an 8-mark and an 11-mark game. So, he was just actually really getting in the thick of it, intercepting for fun. He actually uses the ball really well as well. But as we were talking about before, it's about finding a position for these guys. Now, Goddard is gone. Um, wasn't an offer to new contract and you'd have to think it's because Francis is is the guy to naturally take his spot um, for me I think he's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger uh, his confidence is obviously been a bit of an issue for him but I think once he really feels part of the the Don's outfit and part of AFL level he's actually going to really be a good player now correct me if I'm wrong but was he drafted as a key position player he was always drafted as that, you know, centre-half back kind of thing. Yeah. But I think just because of his size, he's actually not that tall. So, he or he's, he's still got a decent size, but he can play that, you know, floating intercept kind of role. I don't think he'll ever be like a full back or a centre-half back. I think. But he's let's really just got- say someone like Hurley goes down. Are yep. we concerned that he has to play more of a lockdown role? I think the Dons have a few taller guys who can kind of step into that position. And I don't think, you know, I think he's too... He's too good at what he does yeah. to ever actually oh, go look, into I that agree. To yeah. complete lockdown role. So, um, if he was on my list, he'd be one I'd be interested in keeping. I'm not sure he's definitely worth a 100% keeper spot, but I'd be looking at him to draft him, you know, mid to early, especially as a defender um, with some big upside. All right. Thanks for that one, Rory. All right. Next question. Uh, Dale Travers wants to know what we think about uh, Cam ellis Yolman. Cam ellis Yolman could literally be anything. Um you know, 81 and a half average last season, had three tons. He loves to tackle and gets a lot of stats from tackles, but his body always seems to be the, the issue that, you know, pulls him back. Oh, I think he's in the Crows' best 22, but he's a tough one to have as a keeper for me, Hef. Oh, I think you'll get the same from Cam Ellis-Yolman as you did the, the previous few years. Um, Crows have so many good mids, and they were out most of last year. 
and he could still barely fire a shot. Um, I don't think he has much more in him. I don't think he's got much of his game. Wasn't he delisted and put back on a rookie list um, a year ago? Fairy yeah. tale story, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's got much more. I don't think he's going to be setting the world alight. So for me, I probably wouldn't be keeping him. I'd be putting him back in the pool. Would you draft him? Oh, maybe late, but even then, he's like. I like looking for proven scorers or guys that got scoring potential. I haven't seen any of that in him, and I think I've had enough time to look at him. I'd rather take a punt to someone younger mm-hmm. than go with uh, Cam Ellis-Yellman. It's fair enough. Um, Mitch Bagley, who's uh, been another frequent tweeter, um, he wants to know our thoughts on Sam Pepper. Is he, you know, can he push those 80s, 90s? Can he be that player? For me, I'll, I'll start it off. Look, for me, I'm actually not sure he's actually going to be ever be a massive scorer. He's played 37 career games. Average 70 and 75 in his first two years. And in those two years, he's only had 300. So, with averages of 17 and 19 touches, it's not that good. His tackle numbers are great. For me, handles a lot more than he kicks and doesn't actually get a lot of marks. Doesn't get a lot of cheap ball, which is fantasy friendly. He's that, you know, tough inside mid. Now, I wanted to have a look back and I looked at his under 18 numbers and he actually only averaged 51 in the under 18 champs and 80 in the Waffle Colts. Now, to me, I just don't think that those numbers suggest that he's ever going to be one of those, you know, 90, 100-plus scorers, potentially one of a, you know, an 80, 80 average mid. But I just don't see him ever being that, you know, absolute fantasy jet like some people might think he might be. Hef? Well, I compare him to Ollie Wines. He's a pretty similar type player in the same team, playing a pretty similar role. Port love their inside mids. But with um, SPP, he's got the uh, goal-kicking ability that someone like Ollie Wines doesn't. So if he plays a similar type game but can add that goal-kicking ability, um, I reckon he could be a decent scorer, but he needs to get a lot quicker and a lot fitter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can develop his fitness and actually play more time in the midfield and add that goal-kicking part to his game, I could definitely see a 90 average eventually. But I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, your top echelon of scorers in uh, fantasy. Yep. So he's – where do you sit then? He's a keeper, obviously, for you if uh, you had him? Depends on the stadium list. Depends, yep. A lot of things. Depends on the stadium list. Um, if you don't have other quality midfielders, then probably someone you'd hang on to for a bit. Also, if you're down, you know, bottom of the ladder, probably someone you'd uh, keep. If you're pushing for a flag, might be someone you might want to trade off. Bit of value. Or, yep. Yeah, definitely. All right. So – Next question is from Sam. So he wants to know about LDU. Where's he at? Um, he didn't register a murmur in his first year. So, Kays, what do you think? I'm actually very concerned for LDU. Um, he had seven games last year at 40.3 in the AFL, a PB of 70. So I thought that's not enough to actually, you know, give a give a fair judgment on. So I went and looked at his VFL stats, crunched them today. 11 games at 68.6. Now, to me, that's actually quite disappointing. Look, look, he did finish home. He didn't cu- did come home stronger. Sorry, uh, he finished with 91, 88, 82, and 107 in his last four games in the VFL. But his spots really uncertain at the Roos. You know, like they've got Hall coming in, Tyson coming in, Adin Polak and Pittard. Where does he fit? And looking at those stats too, it was basically a one-to-one kick-to-handball ratio, which is not great. But he tackles. But I don't know. I think he's one that I'd be looking at for for future years this year. I just I just can't I just can't have him. Yeah, no, I agree. There's so much uncertainty in North lineup. Um, also, I, I don't think he's ever yet yeah, shown anything to be 
like uh, giving us any sign that he's going to be a good scorer. I think he was really hyped up. I think last year, but I think that was more in terms of the uh, AFL fantasy, where you just want a young player who's going to come in and play and, play. and get your you know the price rise instead of actually picking someone who's going to be a um, a uh, super um, consistent scorer. That said, like I don't even know if he's worth a stash in that in that regard. What do you think, guys? I think if you were talking about blokes who you can draft mid to late on the hope that they're going to potentially become a keeper by the end of next year. That's one that you'd look at. If you're looking at him to make an impact this year, it's an absolute no for me. But if you're going to take a punt on someone who potentially you might be able to stash away to keep, he's, he's a stash for me. He's, he, I'm not expecting anything from him in, him in 2019. All right, another question from Rory O'Brien. He wants to know about uh, Michael Hibbard. Where's he at? Uh, is he worth keeping in smaller keeper leagues? He's been a gun in the past, but last year was super underwhelming. Well, the weapons really had lots of questions for us of late Hef, which is good. Um, big fantasy player, the weapon, Rory O'Brien. Um, but look, he was pretty putrid last year, was Michael Hibbard. Uh, had 68 average and he basically went into the season as a premium option. Now, as we've spoken about with Jordan Lewis, with May and KK coming in to bolster uh, the Demons defence, I'm just not sure what his role is. Um, for me, coming off that 68, while Melbourne were quite strong, uh, where his actual position was safe, I just don't think he's a viable keeper option. Draftable, yes, but for me, he's quite risky. Hef? Yeah, no, I agree. He was super disappointed last year. He was one I actually factored in. I was dirty. I didn't get him in my redraft league, um, but I'm super happy I didn't in the end. Um, but Dodged a bullet. That's it. But the one saving grace I'm thinking about, and it's something we're going to have to monitor, is is he a kick-out option at Melbourne? So I'm not sure how this is actually going to work. So uh, we're going to put it in the hands of a super boot who's going to kick it out to you know to 70 metres, 80, 80 metres out, or are we going to give it to a player that's got run and dash who's going to use the extra 10 metres they've got to kind of take on a few players and then find an option from there. I reckon that's his only saving grace, and it's something we're going to have to look at uh, in the JLT to see how teams actually use this option um, because there could be points there. For me, though, with Melbourne, they've actually got more kicker innerers than most other clubs. Like I, yeah. I can think like Christian Salem, you know, kicks out a lot. Yep. Great use of the ball. Stephen May kicked out at Gold Coast. KK's um, apparently got really good foot skills. And then you add in, you know, Jordan Lewis could kick out. Jaden Hunt, if he plays, could, you know, run and, you know, run 50 metres yeah. and kick it. You know, like I just don't know if that is a reason to keep him. Yeah, I reckon this is going to be one of the hardest um, keeper decisions you're going to have to make, Rory, because of you know he's been an absolute gun in the past, but I don't know what's happened to him. So I don't know, mate. Hopefully the um, the tips we've given you or the things we've said kind of helps you make that decision. But yeah, I reckon you're in for a tough one. So good luck with that one, mate. Good luck. All right, uh, John B wants to wants to talk about Bailey Fritch, and uh, he's now a mid only. So what do we think about that one, Case? Mid only hurts Bailey Fritch. He's as we've talked about a few of those guys who have lost um, their DPP, you know, someone who had a 75 average last season, it just it just reeks of someone you can't keep. He's on that borderline of just, it's a, it has to be a cut. Towards the end of last season, it looked like he got a bit tired, um, had a 48, 50 and 55 in his last three games. On the positive, he's 22 years old, so he's a bit bigger, um, should be able to cope to the bigger workload over, you know, the year and a, a couple of pre-seasons. But look, as keeping a 75 average mid, Nah, it's too risky for me. I wouldn't keep him. Potentially would look at drafting him though. Another one who's, you know, is his uh, spot safe? Not sure. But uh, you're yeah, not a keeper, but a, a, but a draft option, I think. 
No, I agree. 75 average mid, not for me. All right, we've got two questions that are quite similar, so we're going to try to answer them both at once. So um, TT um, is asking, well, second years uh, normally flop, but other than the obvious, who can improve to be a keeper for 2020? And uh, James wants to know the underperforming rookies as opposed to hype. So example from last year, an LDU or a Paddy Dow? Yeah, now we've spoken about LDU and Paddy Dow, um, and Hef's also touched on the Warpedo as his good chance of a second year breakout. Yeah, but big I fan th- of that guy. Yeah, I know. Not his hair though, he's Jack Bose. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you're pretty keen on uh, a young tiger. Yeah, well, Jack Higgins, we can't ignore those junior fantasy numbers, but I'm wondering will they ever translate to AFL, I guess. Um, what's his role at the moment, midfielder or forward or both? Forward for me, yeah. potentially pinch hitting midfield, but yeah. um, maybe not this season. For me, if he moves into the midfield uh, more permanently, I can see him unlocking that potential uh but if his role stays the same i can't see him setting the world on fire so i guess i'm trying to give you the second year breakouts but i'm saying it's not impossible to see it actually happening but i think it's dependent on his role so we're going to actually have to just watch him and see what happens yeah a bit of a stash yeah um i'm keen on a few younger guys who haven't been talked about as much um aiden boner for me uh from gws he uh scored 85 67 36 and 48 in his four games this year. And you just think with the losses in the GWS midfield of Shill, Scully and Griffin, uh, he's going to be one of those players who's had a year under his belt and is one that can pretty much step into that into that uh, midfield there and score some points. He keeps his centre forward status too. There's DPP, which is really important. And looking through his NEFL numbers, he played 14 games, uh, 87 average and four tonnes. So um, with 21 touches and six tackles now, I know we've talked about the NEFL, <laughs> of course. You know what we think of the NEFL. <laughs> Not rated highly, but look, I think he's one that's naturally going to step up and go. He, he can be the guy. He's a bigger guy, bigger bodied uh, unit, and I think he's one that potentially can surprise a few people and might not be on many people's draft radars. Another one's Lockie O'Brien. Um, He's one I actually liked as a, as a DPP, but he's lost his defender status, which really hurts him a bit as a depth player this year. Um, but for me, he played 18 games last year in Carlton's team. With Doherty gone, I think that really helps him. And he's one that could be a bit of a sleeper as a, as a second-year player, one that might be another stash. But one that I had in my team, surprise, surprise, Jaden Stephenson. 66 average, which is actually pretty good for a, a first-year player. He played every possible game for Col- uh, for Collingwood this year. He had six 80-plus games and had a ton as well. His, his spots are assured. Um, he's going to be part of their team for many years. I just think he's one that people kind of might just brush over as just a, as a small forward, but he's got a few more strings to his bow. Someone I could think who I think could become that kind of Kane Lambert uh, role who scores quite well. So, um, yeah, Bona, O'Brien and Stephenson for me. Yeah, and if we can get him into the midfield at some stage, I reckon he could be a good scorer, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Adam uh, wants to know about North. So when did they last produce a good fantasy player? Um, development of Simpkin and LDU, are they stalling like McDonald and Zebel? Well, firstly, Todd Goldstein was a pretty good ruckman. Yeah, he had that huge season, didn't he? Yeah, he had 117 or something like that. Maybe, I think maybe he might be talking consistently over time, though. Yeah, look, they have struggled in the fantasy realm a bit, the, uh, the Ruse, but... For the second point, like McDonald had a disappointing season last year. He dropped quite a bit, but Zebel's role completely changed. He actually became a, a full forward as such. Like he hardly ever played in the guts. So Zebel's they did his his development didn't stall or he didn't just become shit. He actually produced he actually had to play a good role for the for the team. So that's where his scoring dropped off. But look, we've spoken about LDU. Uh, Simkin, he's heading into his third year, um, which is obviously better, but he he played twenty two games last year, only for fifty nine point five average. And look, 
with those additions to the north side, which we've talked about a lot already, I just don't know where his bump's coming from. Um, look, I think both LDU and Simpkin can be quite handy in the future, but look, it's probably just one of those years with North Melbourne players you've got to almost avoid and stash maybe, but don't expect anything in 2019 from them. Yeah, unless you're certain those players are best 22, I'd be steering clear of a lot of North uh, fringe players for sure. Yep. It's funny because they're not... They're not, you know, they're not well beaters at the moment. They're not superstars, but they've got so much potential with what they can bring in. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go this year. Mm. All right, next question. 17 dotty seven. Uh, throwing Dusty on the hook. Who can he get? So I think he wants to trade out Dusty Martin. Anyone wants some suggestions of his value? Yes, well, this isn't really our domain because we don't really talk about no, good players. Who's Dusty Martin? <laughs> haven't done any research on Dusty Martin. Look, um, basically for me... Uh, if you want to trade him, go for it because he's one of those guys who has a name and always in a, in a draft league or a league in general, there's people who will pick people purely on name and haven't actually looked at their stats or, or their scores or you can always spin it where, oh, look, he just had a bad year, blah, 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 blah. If you actually want to get rid of him, you can. I think for me, if your team needs you know, a, a particular forward or a back spot that you think you can actually get a good, good player out of it for trading away Dusty Martin, I'd go for it. Because if you can get a good up-and-coming forward or back, potentially one of those 90 averages, 80 averages, who you think is going to break out or is going to be part of your team for a while, Dusty's one of those players who can you can you can move, um, get a really, really good backman or forward that's going to you know be in your team for years to come. And you're not going to lose too much losing Dusty, Hef? Oh, yeah. For me, it depends how your league's set up. So I guess we probably need a bit more information to actually make a proper assessment of this. But if it's a deep league and you want to get some more early draft picks for the uh, to stash for the future, I think this is probably a good year if you're, if you're in one of those leagues that only has pretty much the new draftees available. It's probably a good year to stock up on players that are, uh, could be good fantasy scorers. But if it's a shallow league, I reckon it's hard to get full value for these players. So if our league's anything to go by, everyone just tries to screw each other in these types of trades, um, especially if you're trading guys for the same average, same ages. No one ever wants to come out behind in a trade so um, yeah, yeah perhaps, cop shit for years to come like yeah, I do every year exactly so um, yeah if it almost gets to the point there's no point trading like for like because yeah it just doesn't happen but if you're in a deeper league, um, yeah, if you want to offload Dusty Martin, then try to get maybe one or two of those breakout type players or um, yeah try to offload him for some early draft picks yep our next question is from Cherto. He wants to know who has the most upside out of Aaron Hall, Dom Tyson or Dion Prestia? Yeah, Hall for me, um, especially if he gets mid-time at North. Um, he's a proven elite scorer when he's up and about. When he's not injured, playing the role he wants to play, he plays that fantasy-friendly game. So for me, out of those three, I think Hall, if he can you know, play in a, in a, play a role that suits him consistently, he's going to be the best scorer out of those three. For me, it's Dion Prestia. Uh, I think he's got job security. And he's actually a proven point scorer. So he is the safer option of the three. Hall's probably the has the most upside because he can go really, really big. Um, but we're just not sure where he fits in 100% at North's uh, spot at the moment. But he will get more game time, which is really good for him. And for me, Dom Tyson is a pure avoid in all formats this season. Okay. Cherto also wants to know who's the best defender out of DBJ, Robertson, Webster, Crisp or Bonner? Jack Crisp by the length of Flemington Strait, uh, 88 average last year, um, is still going to be in Collingwood's best side and will probably be pushed back to, you know, a lot of back backline duties this year with Dane Beams coming in. Uh, Robertson's probably the next best if he's fit. Um, for me, Port's defence and wings are a bit too hard and a bit too of a question mark. 
Uh, for me, crisp uh, all day, every day. But that said, I do think uh, Beams' arrival will affect his scoring slightly. He was kind of one of those ones that kind of pinched in the midfield and every now and then he'd go in there and get you those big scores or add a bit extra on top. But I think he's going to be purely defender. So that said, I still think he's going to be around the 80 mark um, in his scoring, but I wouldn't be expecting as many high scores from him. Fair call. All right, next question from Kennel Keepers. Uh, which two to keep from Brayshaw, Parrish, Fisher, Chera and SPS? Andrew Brayshaw for me every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Um, look, he's taking Lockie Neal's role. 67, uh, he averaged last year and ultra consistent. He's going to jump into that and, and be one that's going to be an absolute gun for the future. Um, SPS would be my other one, I think. Uh, third year breakout for me. Potentially gets a spot. Uh, a regular spot, I should say, in Carlton's midfield. And look, if you had to rank third, Parrish potentially, but geez, he's just a flaky player. And with Shill coming in, I'm just not sure where his midfield minutes are going to come from anymore. Like he's, he just promises a lot, but delivers too few. Heifer? Yeah, no, I agree with the the first you mentioned. Chair is the third for mine. I reckon there's real, uh, real potential with him. All right. So uh, Dale Travers, M. Kennedy, can he improve or is he a one-paced and an 80 max? No, I think he's a, a big forgive for me heading into 2019. Look, he, he battled with injury last year and while that was his, you know, big third-year breakout year, I just think that this season's his. He was great in his second year at GWS and you just need to look at his 29-touch, 108-point game against the Hawks in round 18 to show that he can really play. Uh, if he was on my team, I'd be keeping him. Um, yeah, I think... For him to become a good scorer, um, someone in Carlton's midfield would have to regress out of Murphy, Cripps and Kerno. So I'm not saying that he's not going to be, but I don't reckon there's enough for him to do in that midfield without one of those guys going backwards. Um, it all depends also on the arrival of Walsh and Setterfield and probably to a lesser extent Stocker, um, where he's going to go. But that said, like he's, he's probably, you know, there's probably a bit of bias towards the others because we just haven't seen a lot of him. Um, and, you know, there's... Big raps on him, so if he can actually break in, yeah, he could do anything really. So we've got another one from uh, Dale Travers again. I think that's three for the night. Uh, Dan Houston thoughts. So as a Port supporter, I reckon um, I reckon I'm going to answer this one for him. So Go for it. I've it, got um, no idea. So again, I think it's it all comes down to, and I guess depends how teams approach um, the kick-ins. Okay, so I think his role on the field is not going to change, but he was um, Port's main uh, kick-out taker uh, for this year. So, you know, if we're adding plus three for every one of those kicks, he's going to receive a boost. But again, will they go for the super boot or will they use an extra 10 metres and put their hands on the ball of someone like uh, like Bonner to run out? Um, or will they go with someone, yeah, with a longer kick to punch it to the halfway mark and try to keep going from there. So I think Burton's arrival could probably affect this depending on where he plays. I personally think he'll probably play up the ground a little bit more, but um, it will depend on this. So, yeah, just with uh, Houston, monitor Port closely in the JLT. Is he best 22? Yeah, definitely. Yep. yep. He's a player? Yep. Okay. He's a player. <laughs> and our last question is from Zibba. He just says, Dom Tyson or Luke Dullhouse? Now, uh, I'll finish this one off. Um, look, I'm actually concerned about Luke Dolehouse's role at the Cats, but I'm actually worried about Tyson actually getting a game at North uh, North Melbourne this year. Um, if you actually look at their last, their, their, sorry, their five-year average from the last five years, Dolehouse averages 88.85 and Tyson averages 86.04. So if you're actually just going on stats and the fact that Dolehouse is a DPP and Tyson's a pure mid, I'm taking Dale every day of the week. 
Yeah, I think Tyson gets a game at North, but I'm definitely taking Dowhouse. The DPP is, yeah, no question for me. It's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, so I think he's going to score better there. But, yeah, I'm still interested to see Tyson at North. And yeah, there's talk of him, you know, playing on a wing and could get some uh, cheap stats there. And I think uh, North are talking about adjusting their game plan to play more of a fast-flowing game, which we think uh, probably is uh, good for fantasy scoring. So, I don't know. I don't think... I don't think Tyson's necessarily a bad choice, but I'd definitely be taking Dowhouse over those two. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see too. I for me, at an early stage, without seeing any games yet, I'm just writing off. I'm, I just don't. I just think Dom Tyson is too risky a, a proposition for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Thanks for listening today, guys. It's uh, been a massive pod. We appreciate the feedback from you all uh, to get our our new player position pod up and running. We've had a we've had a good good time doing the research and uh, we really appreciate appreciate all the listener questions it's uh, fantastic to see all these coming in alright now we're actually going to have some time off and prepare for when the show starts so no more retweets no petitions we're going to have the Christmas break off and then we're going to um, come back with our proper pre-season episodes and start analysing the season that's ahead. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting uh, stuck into all the teams in good depth. And, uh, yeah, we're ready for a big year in 2019. So, once again, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later.